your UVP or unique value proposition is the cornerstone to your brand and it's gonna guide all of your business decisions. So how do you make a UVP? Welcome back to On The Horizon. This is Melrose Michaels. I am your host and I'm here to share what's worked for me in building my adult creator business to try to make building yours just a little bit easier. Let's get into today's episode. Hello everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. So in today's world, more and more adult creators are turning their content hustles into lucrative, multifaceted business ventures. But how do you evolve a side hustle into a scalable, thriving enterprise type of business. So today we're going to dive deep into a few different strategies that can help transform your adult content hustle into a full-scale operation. So the first thing, and this is first and foremost, we need to identify your unique value proposition or UVP. This is what sets what you do as a creator apart from any other competition that there may be. It's essential to understand the value you provide to your customers or your fans, subscribers, you know, insert whatever, to be able to articulate your value clearly. So your UVP or unique value proposition is the cornerstone to your brand and it's going to guide all of your business decisions. So let me explain this in really simple terms, why you need a unique value proposition. So first off, you need one for differentiation, which so many creators are out here joining platforms coming into the adult industry, and they're all vying for somebody's attention and audience. So having a unique offer can help you differentiate yourself from the rest of the pack. As we've already mentioned, it gives you kind of an edge in the market, and it makes you more memorable to your target audience. So secondly, it's to increase value. So by offering something that others don't, you can increase the perceived value of your work. This can lead to higher sales, increased customer loyalty. And as an example, If your offer includes something, let's say time intensive, like a cosplay, you can charge a higher price because you're letting your subscribers know that that kind of content to do with cosplay particularly is very costly and it has a higher production value. Yet without including these unique words and expectations in your offer, your subscription price or whatever you're charging for the content may not feel as justified to the user and it could be costing you sales. So you wanna set the expectation and set the perceived value of what you do, even if it's not cosplay, it could be any any example. And then finally, the other reason to have a UVP is for brand building. So a unique offer is great in terms of how you build and establish yourself in a niche. It shows that you're really innovative and you're willing to go above and beyond to provide your value to your customers. So again, using cosplay as an example, if you use cosplay in your offer, When users or fans think of you as a creator, they think of the brand and the content that's associated with you. This is how a unique value proposition impacts the brand that you're building. So now that you know why you should have one and you have all of this kept in mind, how do you make a UVP or unique value proposition or an offer? First, you need to understand your target market. It's really surprising how many creators, whether established or starting out, haven't taken time to consider who their audience is. So invest time in analyzing your data, interactions, and brand vision to determine your unique target audience. This is gonna guide the way you communicate with them. To offer a personalized experience that resonates with that target, you must comprehend their needs and their wants. So what challenges do they face? For 
For instance, a large portion of your audience is seeking sexual advice because maybe your brand openly discusses sex education. What do they prioritize? Well, maybe your audience really prioritizes and values humor and they keep coming back to your content because of the laughter you bring them. What do they aim to attain? Well, while the answer might be obvious and you know it might be to come or to have gratification in some way, it may also be seeking a connection and you have to ask yourself if you offer that. So are you running a no DM or a no PPV page that doesn't provide any connection or access to you? Advertising it with phrases like digital girlfriend experience, that kind of signifies and signals to your target audience that you do provide access to you. You will have DMs. You will have a way to communicate and connect. Understanding and having a clear understanding of your target market and what they may be looking for, wanting, expecting, this is going to be really important for the way you tailor your offer and the language you use in your offer to their specific needs and provide them real value. So next, you're going to need to offer something unique. So thinking outside the box and coming up with an offer that sets you apart from others in your niche, it could be a special product, a service, or an experience that you provide. It could be a new approach to solving a problem, to delivering value. So like whatever it is, make sure it's unique and it offers real value to the right target audience, the people you want to find you and connect with. For example, to give this kind of like a, a, a framework to envision it in, my unique value proposition on my OnlyFans is that if you are on my page, you're going to get new content daily, every day, plus access to me in DMs. And because of that offer and the immense amount of value and content I put out, that price point of my subscription feels very justified to my customers, my subscribers. What problem am I solving? Most people's favorite creators only put out maybe two to four explicit videos each month on their pages. I solve that problem by providing so much content on a consistent basis that my subscribers know they can count on me to deliver and to deliver frequently, which makes me stand out from the pack because the average creator isn't putting out that much volume of content. So they, even my audience now, they know what time to expect a video to drop on the page and they anticipate it. So that is how I've come to stand out in the way that I run my pages. So next, another way to build your offer is that you want to include a sense of urgency or create a sense of urgency in your offer. So this is going to be a way to drive sales and encourage people to take action quickly. So you're going to create a sense of urgency. So for example, you can limit the number of spots available or offer a time-sensitive discount, create a limited time offer. These are things most of us are already doing in terms of how we promote our fan sites or clips or pages. So the same approach can be taken for PPVs as well. So when you're having conversations on your fan site in DMs, using copy or captions that read, this message self-destructs in 24 hours. So get it while you can before I unsend it. This is a way to add urgency to your PPVs or your DMs to get unlocks quickly. And then after that set amount of time, you can unsend it or you can leave it there for people to open who maybe didn't get to it in that first initial 24 hours. To add urgency to a subscription, you're going to limit the amount of time in which a fan can claim that offer. So depending on on how you're trying to make a sale, whether it's via a, sale, a subscription sale or a PPV unlock sale or a clip store sale, you're going to tweak how you add urgency to that specific offer. And then finally, you're going to fine tune your offer. So this is going to encourage the success of your unique value proposition or your unique offer. It's crucial to test and gather feedback using data available on your platform. So start by crafting just a concise version of the offer to use in your subscription area 
and complement it with a more detailed version in your page bio, your OnlyFans or your fan site page bio. Both versions should communicate clearly the value you bring to the table and what sets you apart from other fan pages. Why should they subscribe to you? It should be very persuasive. It should it should be enticing. Your bio and your subscription offer are pretty much the only thing someone sees when they come to your page and they're considering subscribing to whatever it is you're offering them. So if you don't have something that's persuasive, enticing, to get them past the subscription and actually viewing the content, they're going to be very likely to complete that process and actually subscribe. This can be give your offer with a trial run for 30 days and monitor your analytics using a campaign tracking link. This is a way to gather the data to see how your offer is performing. If the results are not as expected, you can take time to make improvements on your offer, on the verbiage you use, on what's in your bio or profile, and then repeat the process and test until you find an offer that resonates with your target audience. And you're going to have this validated because your subscriptions are going to rise. They're going to increase. If you're enjoying this podcast episode so far, please take one moment to share it with another one of your adult content creator friends, because you know what the rule is here. We do not gatekeep, and we want to make as many adult creators' businesses as easy as possible. And you sharing this episode with them might do exactly that. Thanks so much in advance. So once you feel that you're close to or you've perfected your pitch or your offer, you're going to use that kind of language and communication style consistently across all your platforms, all your social media posts. This includes TikToks, Reels, Safe for Work, obviously, but you get the idea. Your offer should serve as a cornerstone to your brand and effectively communicate why someone should subscribe to you specifically. This part gets harder. You're going to build a sustainable business model. So an adult creator side hustle might succeed based on your individual efforts, but a scalable business requires a sustainable model. That means you're going to develop a structure that can communicate and accommodate growth without compromising profitability or quality. So analyze your income and your costs, project future sales, and then understand what your break-even points are going to look like. This is really important to understanding what sustainable business model is going to be practical for you as a creator while you're kind of, you know, building this out for yourself. It can be really difficult to do, especially if you're not tracking any of your own data. So if you're not doing this yet, this is the time to start. I say this every time we talk about data, but in order to scale your business bigger, you need to find ways to optimize and streamline things. This means creating processes or systems for everything that you do, and then evaluating those systems and processes to see which of them can be delegated to somebody else. So for example, I've mentioned before that I organize all of my content in a Telegram channel that I have set up solely for the purpose of the process, organizing things in order I want them to post. So I'll post to that channel in the order content's going to publish to my fan site page, to my OnlyFans. So this keeps it organized and it even includes text like the pricing summaries of what I'm going to price the content at, if I'm going to have it set for unlock. It'll also include details of like what this piece of content is about. So when I go searching for it later in that channel, it'll pull itself up. It'll be easy to discover if I need to ever resell it or, or find it. And then this process is also designed for me to stay organized, sure. But also when I hire someone, which I've already done, but when you go to hire someone, it's going to help you to help them schedule your content out if that's their role. So it helps me stay organized and effective, but then I can add that person, that hire to this Telegram channel, and it's gonna help them stay organized and effective and help them schedule it. So all you need to do is train them, add them to the channel, and now they can take on that task and you can delegate it. So another example of this process that I use as well is I have an emoji key. 
So again, back to this Telegram channel I run, this is a system that I have in place. If I put a blue heart emoji on the content, then I know it's scheduled to OnlyFans. If I put a purple heart emoji on the content, then I know it's scheduled to Fancentro. If I put a pink emoji heart, then I know it's scheduled to my ManyBits clip store. So these types of little processes or systems you build out and put in place, if they make sense, if they make your business easier, if you use them to keep track of things and they make the work more efficient, these are the kinds of things you're going to need to be able to communicate and teach to someone else when you scale your business so that they can take on that process for you. So this is like how you begin to understand what will eventually be delegated is by building systems and putting processes in place to be able to pass that off to someone in the future. So then, like I said, this is the most important part. Once you've developed a system and have a meaningful way to document it, you have to actually document it. Because when you start doing the hiring in the future for a team that's going to help you, you'll want a documented manual, so to speak, on how to do the task or how to do the work. So once you're using the processes that have already been created to make it as efficiently as possible, when you go to hire someone to work for you, you can literally email them a PDF manual of how they perform each task you've assigned to them step by step. And I've nailed down kind of my processes that much where I have a PDF document for each task that's assigned to an internal team member. It walks them through how to do everything. Or I have a video made for them internally, like a training video. So if I ever have to you know, replace them or, or, you know, they move up, I'm going to just go in, take that training material, and then I'm going to pass it off to them. So this is really important, documenting everything once you have a process that works for you. Investing in automation and technology. So this is one of my favorite parts. You guys know how I feel about anything automation or software-wise. So as your business grows, manual methods are going to become unsustainable. And this is really where technology is going to come in for you. Investing in automation tools and digital solutions will streamline operations, it'll save time, it'll minimize errors, all things you have to do when you're building out a team to scale your business. So tools for following back people on OnlyFans, for example, or tools for mass messaging uh, expired users about your retention offer, tools for sending your fans content automatically when they type a certain word or phrase in your DMs. Automation is always a game changer for scaling a business. And all of the automations I just mentioned, they already exist and you could be using them. So with the evolution of AI, there's going to be even more kinds of automation products or software entering our space because I get approached with stuff like this every day. So expect more of these coming out in the future. But today we're going to focus on the ones that I feel really confident about and I'm personally using. So first, before we get into all that, I want to share how I automate documenting all of my processes that I use for training my team. So when I find a system and process, how do I automate documenting it so that it's not so time intensive and labor intensive? So I have two tools for this and they both have different uses. The first tool I really like to document my processes is Loom, L-O-O-M. Loom is a screen recording program that essentially films you, whatever you're talking about on webcam in the corner of the screen while also filming your actual screen itself. This way you can demonstrate a process or a system while explaining it on camera and simultaneously showing them exactly how to do it on your screen. So essentially the perfect training video, and all you have to do is click a red record button in a Chrome extension, a Loom Chrome extension on your browser, and it will record the entire process and everything you're speaking to in real time. It's super easy this way to pump out how-to style videos or even reduce future meetings with like a team member. So when you do hire, you can send them a Loom video instead of actually setting up a, a business call on Zoom or a meeting on Zoom. 
This becomes especially useful if you hire someone to work remotely for you and say that they're in a very different time zone. Having something like Loom will allow me to send information and how-to videos to people who I can't reach because they're way outside my time zone. This becomes really, really useful. The second way I document processes is with a tool called Scribe, S-C-R-I-B-E. It's also a Chrome browser extension, which you can click to turn on when you're ready to create a step-by-step PDF manual. So again, this is how I automate documentation of the processes and systems I create to scale my team. After you activate the extension, it will record everywhere you click and everything you type in the right sequence of steps, and it will turn it into a stunning PDF manual with screenshots and your mouse pointer highlighted showing where to click. So it basically pumps out perfect training manuals on whatever system or process you're teaching without you having to do anything at all other than literally going through the process while this you know, Chrome extension is watching. So while documenting, it's really important to prepare to scale your business because you're gonna need to sort out all of these processes and systems and document them before you can eventually hire someone into your team. And these automations, Loom extension and also Scribe extension are very useful tools to kind of get the ball rolling on that. I'll also add here that Loom has a phone app So if you are trying to train someone on like, here's how you um, post to my premium Snapchat, you can have Loom recording that process, opening the Snapchat app, going into camera roll, pulling out the video. Like you can literally Loom record that, teach it to a team member and send them that training video and also have that training video on deck for any future personal assistant or person you hire on that task. So this is very, very important. Now that's how I automate the documentation to build out my business. But now I want to get into the the automations that I use within my adult creator business itself. So you guys have heard me talk about and mention FanWire a few times, but there's some tools of theirs that I haven't really gone too much into detail on yet, and I do want to do that today. So FanWire offers a tool called Content On Demand. This tool allows you to essentially set up a word or phrase, and if the fan writes that word in chat, FanWire will help facilitate and automatically send a locked PPV of certain content that you've predetermined. For example, I have one that says JOI bundle in my DMs on OnlyFans. So if someone comes into my DMs and writes JOI bundle, then FanWire on my behalf will automatically send them a predetermined by me bundle of JOI videos for unlock. And on the internal side inside the FanWire dashboard, it'll even track the sales and revenue it generates from this automation so that I can go back, tweak it, and improve upon it. So that's just one way you can automate some of your adult creator business by using a tool like FanWire. Now, another automation feature I love via FanWire is the Smart PPVs tool. Um, This one I use for retention, sending retention offers to my expired fans. So essentially what it does is it creates a specific PPV message to a targeted list. In my case, it's my expired fans with a piece of content for them to unlock. So when the fan expires on my page, they will get a message saying something like, hey, here's a little something to say I miss you with a piece of content to unlock. All done automatically without anything on my part. I set it up once and as users expire, this automated PPV will go out and I will monetize those expired fans by them unlocking this content because I told them I missed them. All automated. It's a huge deal. Now, you can also set up a similar automation for messages to go out right before a fan expires off the page. It's called pre-expired. So on their last active day, they will get a message from me, auto-sent, completely automated, with a retention offer link, asking them to come back and be active again. 
So it's basically, this is your last day on my page. I really don't want to see you go. If it helps you to stay longer, here's a discount for the next 30 days. Send them the link. So anything you can automate internally in your business is going to save you a ton of time. And ultimately, that's what scaling your business is It's entirely about. When you think of it big picture, it's about buying back more of your time by spending a, you know, a few dollars allocated to tools, services, or people working for you. The next step or the next you know, phase of this in terms of scaling, building out your team is a little bit terrifying if I'm being honest. And not just that, it's really hard. Scaling a business is not a one-person job. You'll need to build a reliable, skilled team that has the required skills to execute on the systems and processes you've already created, optimized, and documented. Hiring might seem like a really significant expense initially, but having the right people on board will will and should boost your productivity and set you up for long-term success. So first off, let me put a disclaimer here. If you've hired someone and they have not significantly provided you more time back because they've taken a lot off of your plate, you've delegated a lot to them, or if having them on your team does not as a consequence, make you more money, then you might not have the right person on your team. They have to do one of those two things to make them valuable and to make it worth the money you're spending to have them there. So keep this in mind because there's a lot of people that have hired people that haven't added that kind of value and they just don't want to fire them or they they don't want to do that managerial kind of grunt work, which no one likes to do. And I'm going to talk about that later. But if they aren't saving you time, if they aren't making you money or a combination of the two, they just might not be the right person to be on your team. Like I said, hiring is very scary. And I wouldn't recommend hiring someone until you're profiting after all business and living expenses, probably around $7,000. This is a nice buffer, in my opinion, to start building out your team. Everyone's number will look different, like entirely. But I think if you can earn for three plus months in a row an extra 7K all profit free and clear, it's pretty safe to say you can spend 2K on of that money, of that profit, on a freelancer or offload some of your tasks to someone you hire. And I say 7K because if you're paying someone to help you with US base, you're gonna have like a 2K to 3K kind of salary type of deal. Not, not salary really, because it's freelance, but that should kind of be your budget. And if you're hiring overseas, that will drastically decrease. If you can hire someone overseas where the, the US dollar will go further or whatever um, currency you're in will go further, and you want that kind of peace of mind, you can definitely hire abroad first. Um, I did that initially starting out because I was so scared financially to take on this you know, next step and next chapter. That being said, I will also include when I did hire abroad, um, my virtual assistant was based out of India, only costed me 300 US dollars a month. He was incredibly professional, incredibly reliable, incredibly skilled. Anything I tried to teach him, he picked up very quickly. He was great to work with. And also I did hire and fire a few people before I found my personal gem of team members. And this is the important part that no one wants to do or even talk about. So let me just save you a little bit of a headache with some of the stuff I've already dealt with. My personal belief at this phase in the things I'm building, all the companies really, is to hire fast and fire fast. I think of it as swiping left on a professional Tinder until I filtered through all the people and I found my match, I found my gem. Your first hire, probably won't be the person you end up sticking with. So this is why the documenting of the processes and the systems is so important before you begin hiring. Because as a freelancer, when you bring someone on and you provide them easy access to easily understandable materials, they can train themselves more or less and then execute. Or they can fail with all the materials provided and incredibly clear resources you've given them 
and they'll filter themselves out for you. So do not waste your time or resources dragging dead weight inside your company because it will sink your ship. And that was a very hard lesson I had to learn. And that's like, that's very, that's a challenging thing for anyone because you never want to be the bad guy. And a lot of the people we hire, we really care deeply about. And I get that. So now, scary (laughs) hiring conversation aside, once you have found your gems and they are trained, it comes down to you holding them accountable and having a process for doing so. So a lot of you listening are not going to like this next thing I'm going to say. I don't love it either. But if you do not hold your team accountable and create a culture, or, or let me rephrase, if you do not hold your team accountable or you create a culture of not being accountable yourself by being unaccountable, you will sink your own ship by training your team to think that it's okay or acceptable when the work doesn't get done. And I want to say this again slowly. If you don't hold your team accountable or you create a culture of not being accountable because you are not accountable yourself, you will sink your own ship by training the team to think it's not okay to do the work as assigned. What this means, if you say you're going to do something as a leader of your company and your business, which you're trying to scale, you have to do it. You have to set the example that they will follow and you being accountable sets that culture of accountability. I'm not saying you have to be perfect because we are all human. I fuck up and miss things all the time, but you do have to be pretty damn good. You have to already have a lot of self-discipline so that you're you know, consistent and you're putting out and you're demonstrating as the leader and as someone who is leading other people that this is what is acceptable. And when we say we, we're going to do things, things need to be done. These are the tasks assigned. These are the goals or the KPIs, you know, performance indicators we're trying to hit. So if we said that that's what we're doing, we need to do them. And if you're not self-disciplined with where you're at as a creator yet, and you're not like on top of your content or publishing consistent or whatever, then you're just not ready to scale your business most likely. And that's totally okay. I don't think every creator needs to scale this business. I don't necessarily think it's the best business to scale. It's very difficult. Um, So keep that in mind when we go into this next part, because I think a lot of people listening to this will want to scale because we all want to make more money, but it also has a lot of cons that come with this. And I'm going to discuss that at the end. It's not all like sunshine, rainbows. You have a team helping you out and you're making a a killer amount of earnings. It doesn't usually look like that. So I'm going to get into that in a bit. But part two about being accountable and having a team held to accountability is that you have to hold each person you hire accountable as an individual. This does not mean to be cruel or dominate by force at all. But you can be kind and hold people accountable. But that does mean you have to be ready to have hard conversations with the people that work for you. And that also means you have to set deadlines and expectations with each task and circle back to make sure that the task has been done and has been done on time. Lastly, and this is everyone's least favorite part, mine included, you have to have clear repercussions if the person you've hired is not hitting goals or expectations. Typically when a company, like a corporation, does this, they create what is called a PIP or a performance improvement plan. Essentially, they will set up a meeting with a team member who is not performing. They will outline where they are failing to meet the expectations and outline a plan that they want to see this team member do or follow to correct it. This usually happens over like a two-week period. So after two weeks, you meet again, reevaluate their performance on if they've improved according to the plan provided to them, and then decide whether they are off the PIP, the performance improvement plan, and back in like good standing or whether they are off the team. And you can have a a three strike process if you want. You know, PIP one is strike one, PIP two is strike two, PIP three. If you don't correct, you're no longer part of the team. This is how big companies do it. 
I like to function in accordance with that because if big companies have scaled successfully, they're probably doing stuff that works. And I'm going to try to incorporate that even on my small scale businesses. Again, this is usually set over a two week period. And this is the part no one likes. I don't like this part. I have put team members on pips. I have put one team member and particularly on a pip on two different occasions. Both times they have course corrected their work and dramatically improved. This team member is also aware that if they do get put on a third pip, it will probably be the last time on my team because I need to set the standard that if you don't do the work, that's not going to be tolerated, but also the standard that if you're not doing the work or the quality of work that I'm expecting, you can expect me to have a conversation with you. It's not going to be out of the blue. You're not on the team. I'm going to give you a chance to course correct or maybe to discuss like if you're not understanding something or if you're misunderstanding something, like an opportunity to communicate and have a hard conversation and then put a plan in place to correct whatever the challenge is. So for me, I do have really big goals for my business, businesses, all of them. And I need to create and build a team that's going to be willing and ready to help me accomplish those goals. And not everyone is going to be a part of what I'm trying to build or nor are they meant to. And that's okay. That's totally okay. To a lot of people, what I'm trying to build for myself is hella unrealistic or entirely unreasonable. And that too is okay. And I I don't disagree with you, (laughs) but it's my goals, my goal, my dream, my vision, you know, and I get to decide how big that that is, what it's going to look like and what quality of talent it's going to take to achieve it. So you'll have to do something similar for whatever your vision is, whatever scaling your business looks like and, and put that kind of structure in place. Now, all of that being said, the next part of this is learning and adapting. The adult business landscape is ever evolving and so should your business. When I first hired my US-based personal assistant, her main role was just helping me upload my premium Snapchat shows to Snapchat every night. And her role, and I'm not exaggerating on this, has probably evolved a thousand different times since she started working with me um, three years ago. And I've had, now I have three more companies than I did three years ago. So the entire structure of my teams has grown and it's evolved and it's changed dramatically. And she has had to do the same to be able to learn and adapt with all of the structure changes as things have changed. And it's not just her. And I want to emphasize this part. I am still learning how to lead my team. And when I say lead, I mean, I'm still learning how to be a leader worth following. It wasn't until very recently that I learned that my lack of holding my own team accountable was having a major constraint on my business. It wasn't if, if it wasn't like them missing tasks, it was the expectation, which I set. And I set the expectation that it was okay to miss tasks because I, I wouldn't say anything about it. And it was because I didn't want to have hard conversations with team members because I genuinely love each and every one that's on my team. Like we've all become really close friends and like, you know, share holidays and like visit each other at times. And like, these people are important to me. They will be in my life way beyond the time they work for me. So even now, I've learned that I have to hold my team accountable and I've had to find ways to do that that are efficient and and kind and um, compassionate and make sense and produce results. So there will always be something new that I'm sucking at <laughs> as CEO of like Melrose Inc. or sex work CEO, whatever it is, networthy, because as my businesses grow, I am them then faced with new problems, which I don't have experience solving because <laughs> they're new. And then I have to find ways to solve them. And then to do that, I have to learn new shit, new skills, and grow equally as much so that I can then level up everyone else around me. So if you're planning on scaling your business, you're going to have to expect to do the same. 
you're going to have to expect that you're going to suck at some things and have to learn new shit and new things to then be good at it and get past whatever the new challenge is. And ultimately, scaling a business, big picture, zoomed out, it's what's the next fire to put out? What's the next challenge to solve? What is the next obstacle ahead of me? How do I eliminate it? Okay, what's the next? Like, it's, it, there will forever be a new one. And that's kind of what it is. That's the business. This one I've talked about a lot recently. I do want to include it here because I think it's significant. Focusing on customer satisfaction. You have to remember that your business exists because of your customers, your fans, your subscribers, clip store buyers, purchasers, premium snap people, whatever it might be, whatever you do. And when we say customers, that's who I'm talking about. The way you measure your internal team by if they hit their goals or not as a team member, you can also and should also be measuring how good your business is with how satisfied and happy your paying customers are. Now, I understand, and I want this to be clear, I understand that some of those paying subs or fans will just be straight up insane and unreasonable. <laughs> like, we all have those. That's a real thing. They will want everything for free and then tell you you're not even attractive enough to charge for it. <laughs> those people exist in real life too. We call them Karens a lot of the time, and we laugh off their outrageous, completely false complaints or accusations, and then the show goes on. But what I'm talking about here is making sure your real fans and subs are genuinely happy and satisfied. Your whale spenders feel appreciated. Your tight-on-money fans who can only afford to carry a subscription still feel valued. You have to make sure that you keep your customers happy because it will always be better, cheaper, and easier to keep the customers you have rather than trying to make new ones and convert people to subscribers. Also, people who have already spent money on you in your content or your subscription are much more likely to re-spend on you versus someone who's brand new and hasn't spent a dime. If they're happy, then they will continue to stick around. And I think it's so important that you do maintain some focus on keeping the customers that are quality customers, quality subscribers, quality clip unlockers, PPV people, quality fans, keeping them happy should be a focus because it is a metric of how well your business is performing. So ask your fans for feedback, whether it's in DMs, if it's in you know polls on your feed posts, or even just polls on your social. I do want to start to wrap this up, and this is probably the most important conversation or piece of this conversation. Turning your hustle into a scalable business isn't easy, but with the right approach, it is achievable. Understanding your value proposition, building a sustainable business model, utilizing technology, assembling a strong team, making sure you never stop learning, and focusing on the customer satisfaction can make your business scale. But none of these things happen overnight. For me, these things happened over the last five years. And that doesn't account for the six years before those five years where I was just learning how to be a good camp performer, a good content creator, and, and just a, a, a performer, like a, a streamer. All of the things I was doing, it took me six years to get good at that shit and then five years to start learning how to build this into a scalable business. So things take time. All good things will take time. Take each of these steps slowly and work out the kinks and challenges they will present you with and then move on to the next. So as you do this, your revenue should be growing. If it isn't, then something of the step you're on will need to be fixed or tweaked before continuing onward. And before even getting started with any of this, ask yourself if you even want to scale this business. It is not the fun part about what we do as creators. To be very brutally honest with all of you who are listening still, scaling this business is the worst part because most of us enter into this space, adult content creation or sex work, looking to escape structure or looking to escape discipline or accountability with a nine to five. We're looking for flexibility. We're looking for 
you know, like kind of less oversight, less accountability, less discipline. So we enter the space a lot of the time looking to get away from systems and processes, to get away from having to work with other personalities or have deadlines or accountability on the art we're creating. Scaling your adult business essentially brings back all of that shit into the fold again because they are necessary evils that make it possible to scale. There are absolutely 100% days currently to this day right now where I still think to myself, you know what? I was just a creator and I cut the team, saved the money. How much happier might I be? Because there's a lot that goes into the overhead of this. And I don't know that I would be happier because I like I like the challenge of building business. Like I, I love that. That's my jam. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 11. Like this is in my DNA. But would it be simpler? It probably would. Less meetings, less teaching people things, less having to manage, you know, being accountable and, and making sure others are accountable. Like it, it's a different than the one I've built. But I had to also scale my business, my Melrose brand, you know, my Melrose, my adult creator business, because it had to fund sex work CEO. So if I didn't buy back some of my time on the Melrose side, there couldn't be a sex work CEO. So I had to scale that business so that I could do this one, which is like the fulfilling thing, the passionate thing, the thing I care about. So like every dream career, no matter what it is, no matter how much you love the work you do, you know, not not even in this industry, any any career, it'll come with some type of overhead. And when I say overhead, I'm talking about like the boring shit that has to be done. I love creating content, but I hate scheduling it all. I love creating IG content, but I hate starting over when that shit gets deleted. <laughs> there will always be a part of the career choice you have that you don't like. And I like to call that overhead. And I think... Um, I want to say it's Bezos who refers to it as overhead, but there's always going to be that part. So if you decide that scaling is worth taking on all of that shitty part, that overhead, having that structure in place, having to create processes, having to train and manage people, like that's a personal decision you have to make for yourself. For me, growing my income a couple times over on the Melrose side has afforded me the ability and the privilege to build this Sexwork CEO. That's the passion project that I find really fucking fulfilling despite all the boring work of writing and scheduling 200 plus tweets on this, you know, Twitter a month or putting out four podcasts or four blogs every month, a newsletter every month, like course videos, Instagram reel, like all the stuff we do. Like I want to talk about the information because it's important to me and I know it's helping people. But like the doing of that, like the distributing distributing of it, the scheduling of it all, that's not my fate. That's the least least enjoyable part about what I do, but it's an important factor in what what needs to happen to get the message out, right? It's the overhead to this business. But I know when you guys tell me, like giving me feedback on how X tweet, Twitter thread helped you make more money or this this um, Instagram reel about passion really resonated with you or whatever it is, like that shit is so worth it. It is literally worth all of the overhead and all of the, the processes and systems and scaling to be able to do that. So you have to really evaluate that for yourself. If Is scaling your adult creator business worth taking on all of the stuff that kind of comes with corporate and like the stuff you probably were looking to escape in the beginning. Because if it's not, then don't do it. You don't have to. You could have a very lucrative adult creator career just on your own, posting yourself, scheduling yourself, doing your own thing, going viral on maybe social TikTok to increase the traffic to you. You can still do that all by yourself and then go offline one day and money saved in the bank, invested somewhere else and be fine. Like you don't have to do this. This is not the only path for it. I want to make that super clear because I don't think it's for everyone. It's not super fun. Like it's like, <laughs> it's like the boring part of the business. It's, it's literally that. So that all being said, if you're not subscribed to our YouTube, please make sure that your notifications 
are on and you're subscribed to youtube.com forward slash SWCEO. I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who subscribed to our Telegram bot. If you haven't already heard, Sexworks Studio released a Telegram bot that essentially sends you daily adult content inspiration and captions you need for your feed, PPV locked messages, and clip stores. These ideas are researched by AI. They're very trendy, highly desirable from what fans are currently seeking. And the captions themselves are optimized with calls to action so that you can increase your earning and unlock potential with each caption you use. The Telegram bot pushes your daily dose of inspiration to your phone every morning around 10 a.m. Central Time so that you no longer have to waste your own time researching, planning, coming up with ideas or captions. The bot literally takes care of all of it. Lastly, but most importantly, do want to reemphasize that all the information we put out in Sexworks CEO, we put out for free because we believe in this idea that the more financially successful creators are and the more resources we will have as a community to do things like lobby Congress, impact policy, organize, and more. So if you find value in the content you heard here today or the tweets you've engaged with, please, please, please consider sharing to make this journey easier for an adult creator friend who follows you. Our only ask is that you retweet our stuff so that we can help as many creators as humanly possible. All in all, thank you so much for joining me today at CEO Squad. Check out sexworkco.com for all of our blogs and past Twitter space transcripts. It would be absolutely incredible if you rated this podcast five stars and left a little review. We want to get this podcast to as many adult creators as possible and you taking a second to leave a couple stars in a review really helps us do that. Thanks so much.